Welcome to the High Vibe and Healthy Podcast. My name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist with a passion for gut health and real food. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. So I know most of you have probably been around here for a little while, but in case you're new around here, my name is Fran. I'm a functional nutritionist specializing in gut health. And on this podcast, we chat all about, surprise, surprise, gut health and really any other topics to help you feel your best and live your best life. In this episode, we're going to be chatting all about the low FODMAP diet, what it is and whether it is the solution to your gut problems. Now, I wonder if this has happened to you. Maybe you went to a doctor or dietitian, explained that you've got digestive symptoms and you were sent out the door just being told to do the low FODMAP diet. Maybe you were sent out with a handout or just basically told to do the diet. You got home, Googled the diet and either you got so confused that you didn't even attempt to follow it or maybe you gave it a go and like many people only lasted a couple of weeks because it's so restrictive. Or there's the other camp of people that start the low FODMAP diet, get into it, find it helpful, but then they're stuck on that diet months or years down the track and they're never able to actually come off the diet and it's super restrictive and it's not really any way to live long-term. So a few scenarios there, all very common ones that I see with my clients and we're going to get into all of that now. (laughs) What works about the low FODMAP diet, what doesn't work and what you can do instead. I want to tell you about a new favorite ritual of mine. I love collagen and I've had it every day for years. But the last couple of months, I've been having a hot chocolate made with the chocolate flavored collagen from Switch Nutrition. And let me tell you, it is bloody delicious. I just mix half a scoop of the collagen with some hot water and add either some coconut milk or some full fat milk. And I absolutely love it. We know collagen is great for our skin and gut health, but this collagen has the added benefit of L-glutamine and digestive enzymes to support the repair of the gut lining and help with breaking down the food you eat. Head to Switch Nutrition's website to get your hands on some collagen and use the code HIGHVIBE to get 10% off. And if you try it, let me know what you think. Send me a DM on Insta or maybe even post a photo on your Instagram stories. And if you do, be sure to tag me. So first, I want to explain a little bit about what FODMAPs are and what the low FODMAP diet actually is. So the word FODMAP, it's an acronym. It stands for fermentable, oligo, dye and monosaccharides and polyols. Yes, that is a bit of a mouthful. FODMAPs are a group of compounds thought to contribute to the symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome and similar gastrointestinal disorders. So because FODMAPs aren't absorbed completely by the human body, they can easily be fermented by our gut bacteria, which causes significant gastrointestinal symptoms like bloating and gas. FODMAPs are a specific type of carbohydrate. So they're fermentable short chain carbohydrates and they include fructose, fructans, lactose, galactans, and polyols. 
And don't worry, you don't need to remember any of this. You can easily look it up if you need to, but I just want to give you a little bit of an understanding of what FODMAPs are and what the low FODMAP diet involves. I'm going to give you a little bit of an example of each of those categories now and the foods that tend to be higher in those specific FODMAPs. So with fructose, a couple of examples of high fructose foods include honey, apple, mango, pear, and watermelon. With fructans, that includes things like artichokes, asparagus, broccoli, and beetroot. Lactose includes things like milk, ice cream, really most dairy products. There are certain dairy products that are lower in lactose and of course, lactose-free products. Galactans include legumes like kidney beans and lentils and chickpeas. And some examples of foods high in polyols include avocado, apricot, and apples. So apples have the fructose and the polyols as well. I think it's really important here to note that FODMAP foods, a lot of them are healthy and they don't actually cause the gut issues in the first place. They can just flare up those symptoms in a person who is susceptible. The low FODMAP diet basically avoids these high FODMAP foods. And it's often the first port of call used to manage digestive symptoms and IBS. Now let's chat about some of the issues with the low FODMAP diet. First up, it is extremely confusing. I know you're probably already confused just hearing me talk about what's actually involved in those different categories and what FODMAPs actually are. And the diet itself is extremely confusing because there are lots of different foods that need to be restricted, but they're also serving sizes that are low in FODMAP. So for example, if you have one eighth of an avocado, that's low FODMAP. If you have half an avocado, it's high FODMAP. And we need to look at the serving sizes of all of these different foods to figure out whether our meal is going to be low FODMAP or high FODMAP. There are apps like the Monash FODMAP app that help to make things a little bit easier. But for most people, I find it's confusing and it's overwhelming. And most people just really struggle to wrap their head around it and actually implement it. Issue number two with the low FODMAP diet is that it's extremely restrictive. There are so many foods high in FODMAPs. And like I said, it's confusing, but it's also restrictive in that if you want to eat out at a restaurant, it's very difficult to avoid things like garlic and onion, for example which makes it really challenging to just live a normal life. And this is why I recommend that if someone's going to do the low FODMAP diet, they just do it for a short period of time and in a strategic way because it's so restrictive and it can really impact your quality of life. Issue number three with the low FODMAP diet is that it can help relieve symptoms, but it doesn't actually address the root cause. And without addressing the root cause, you can just end up being stuck on the low FODMAP diet long-term. So most people are susceptible to these FODMAP foods because they have SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So by avoiding the foods, you're helping to manage the symptoms, but you're not actually getting rid of the SIBO. You're not actually addressing the root cause of why you're sensitive to those foods in the first place. And as I said, if you don't address the root cause, you're going to be stuck on the diet forever if you want to manage those symptoms. Whereas on the other hand, if you identify what exactly is going on, which is often SIBO, and get rid of the SIBO, whether that's with antimicrobials or antibiotics, then you're actually able to reintroduce these foods and tolerate a much wider variety of foods again. So as I said, the low FODMAP diet, it helps manage symptoms, but it doesn't address the root cause. Issue number four is it can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food. 
So I've seen a lot of people who have been on this diet for many years. They're stuck on the diet. As I alluded to, they haven't addressed the root cause and it leads to a lot of issues. They're always having to prepare their own food. They're nervous about whether they might eat out at a restaurant and there might be a high FODMAP food in their meal and they're going to suffer the consequences after. It can be really stressful following a restrictive diet ongoing and this food fear that can develop is really problematic. So we definitely want to avoid that as much as we possibly can. Issue number five is that long-term, the low FODMAP diet can actually negatively affect our gut health. As I mentioned before, a lot of these high FODMAP foods are actually healthy foods. They're foods that we want to consume on a regular basis. Things like fruit, vegetables, dairy products, good quality dairy, if you tolerate that. If we're avoiding those foods long-term, particularly the fruits and veggies, this is going to have massive consequences on the diversity of bacteria in our gut microbiome, which in turn is going to lead to other health consequences. So overall, it's confusing, it's restrictive, it helps manage symptoms for some people, not for everyone, but it doesn't address the root cause. It can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food and it can even impact our gut health. So it probably sounds like I just really don't like the low FODMAP diet. And that's actually not the case. There is a time and a place, but I think it's handed out way too frequently and it's just not going to be necessary in so many cases. And I also use it a little bit differently to the way most practitioners do. It's much more effective and quick and a lot easier to actually just address what is at the root cause of your symptoms and only use the low FODMAP diet short term if it's actually necessary. So here's what I would do instead. I start with a whole foods diet first. And this is what I do with all of my clients because this may be all that's needed. When I'm talking about whole foods, I'm talking about fruit, veggies, protein, meat, eggs, all those kind of things, minimizing processed foods, and also perhaps adding in the extra layer there of maybe minimizing things like gluten and dairy, which can be common sensitivities for many people, but are a lot easier to avoid and steer clear of than high FODMAP foods. If you're thinking of following a low FODMAP diet, be sure to either do the GI map gut test or SIBO test first. So you can actually identify what's at the root cause of your symptoms. Then you can determine whether or not the low FODMAP diet is actually necessary. And if it is, then you can have a plan to address the SIBO or whatever it is that's going on at the root cause of your symptoms, which means you're only going to have to follow the low FODMAP diet for between six and 12 weeks instead of many months or even years, as so many people do. If you test positive for SIBO, either a low FODMAP or SIBO diet, they're both pretty similar, will be helpful alongside antimicrobial supplements or antibiotics, as I mentioned before. And if you don't have SIBO, then to be honest, I probably wouldn't recommend this diet at all. I'd focus on addressing your GI map results and just eating a whole foods diet. And finally, I'd recommend using the low FODMAP diet in the way it's designed, which is to help you identify your trigger foods. So we want to do the diet for a period of time and then start reintroducing foods to figure out which ones trigger your symptoms. Because for example, you may be sensitive to mushrooms or garlic, but every other FODMAP food is totally fine for you. So I find a lot of people stay stuck on the most restrictive version of that diet when in fact they probably only have a couple of specific sensitivities. So we want to identify what they are 
so that you can eat a more broad diet and not be so restrictive. So let's recap. FODMAPs are a specific type of carbohydrate which are fermented by gut bacteria and can therefore cause digestive symptoms like bloating and gas. The low FODMAP diet can be helpful in managing symptoms. However, it does not in any way address the root cause of why you're experiencing those symptoms in the first place. So be sure to test your gut to identify what's going on so that you can address the root cause in a targeted way. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, if you found this helpful, if you found any other episode of the podcast helpful, hop on over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to the show and leave me a rating and review. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to reach your health goals, head to frandargaville.com. To connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me via my handle at frandargaville. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.